Great to see everybody. If you have your Bibles, you can open them with me to Acts chapter 20 as we continue this series that we're calling The Four. It's a series that uh, if you're kind of new to us, it's a great one to kind of drop in on. If you're wondering what Bay Life Church is about, we've been talking about it for the last couple weeks and we'll continue this week and next week to do that uh, together as we go through these four things that we kind of build ourselves around. Uh, we uh, start with a mission statement. The things that we see is uh, our most important our land in this mission statement. Will you read it with me? It says uh, on all of our uh, documentation now that we live, say everybody ready? We live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. That's why we're here. Welcome. Glad you can make it. That's what we're doing here. We are here to glorify God. Anybody here to glorify God? Yeah, we live to glorify God. Some of you may not be there yet, but I trust that you hang out with us, you'll want to join us in glorifying God. The way we do that is we make ourselves, uh, with God's help, only with God's help, to be the best disciples, the best followers of him that we can be. Now, another reason for us to be here this morning, to grow in our own faith. But then we understand it doesn't terminate there. It's not the end. We are meant to take what God has given us and take it to a world that desperately needs him. Take it to each other as we seek to honor each other and disciple each other. Well, we need to be these, these pipes that God flows through uh, to the rest of the world as we make disciples around us. Today's uh, uh, all about that. We're gonna talk about multiplication today. And, and I thought it'd be just fitting for us to highlight some of the things that we're doing here in our church to help us be better multipliers. Uh, uh, coming up here in just a couple weeks, we're gonna have a class called Share Jesus Start. And uh, if you haven't heard about this, you can go online and see it uh, on our website at baylife.org slash share Jesus. But it's just a class to help you learn, if you've never learned before, how you can share your faith in Jesus with someone who doesn't know him. It's just, you know, uh, taking things that might be scary for you and, and, and helping you understand the ways that you can be a multiplier of, of those around you and share your faith with them. We also have this great thing coming up called uh, Alpha. You've seen it on our sign out front, probably heard about it as we've talked about it through the summer. But Alpha is this uh, dinner club, for lack of a better, uh, that we can bring our friends who don't know Jesus to. And uh, as we watch some videos and have some discussions, it's this non-threatening, uh, just very relaxed way of just introducing them to the truths of Jesus Christ. And so if you've got a friend who likes to eat, I've got a couple of those. Now this would be a great place for them to kind of come uh, with you and hang out. And, and if you're someone here and you, you, you are kind of new to the whole discussion and you're kind of like, well, what's this multiplication stuff? Who is God? This would be a great place for you to land. Uh, so be a part of that as it gets going here uh, this coming week on August 28th, this Tuesday. Um, there's also great ways for you to multiply yourselves as disciples. You can get involved in life groups if you haven't done that yet. And so you could go and be poured into as you pour into others. You can get involved in discipleship relationships. We have these uh, people who are at the ready for anybody who wants to go deeper in their relationship with Christ to just kind of have a one-on-one -on -one focused time in God's word so that you can be better disciples. We're, we're, everything that we do as a church, whether it's with our kids, our adults, everybody in between, it should be focused on our mission, which is to glorify God. We live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. Today we're going to talk mostly about making disciples, our part in that. Paul talks about it a lot in his writings, but here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, yeah, he tells his buddy Tim, he says, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, uh, in the presence of what he, uh, how's, how's your voice going? In the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He says, everything that you've heard from me, 
Timothy was one of Paul's buddies. He, he picked him up in one of his travels, and Timothy was a new convert to Christ, and Paul said, y'all come, let's go. And they just hung out, and he, he taught him over years of, of being together with him as his disciple. He says, everything I've taught you, here's what I want you to do with that. I want you to teach it to faithful, and the, and the word there is plural, men. More than just one, I want you to multiply the things that I've put in you by the grace of God, and I want you to tell those men with the intent of them telling others. It's multiplication. It's Amway. It's, it's the great pyramid scheme, right? It's, it's just get it out there, and let's, let's extend this and expand this so that the kingdom of God can grow. The four, as we get uh, talking about multiplication, are are these. We've already talked about worship and how it's kind of the, the glue that holds these other three, the inspiration for these other three to occur, but we talked about how we need to worship God first and foremost with everything in our lives. Then we need to go on to belong to him and to others. Today we're going to talk, or next week we're going to talk about serving and how important that is in a church, but today we're going to talk about multiplying. And here's what I know about multiplying. God wants more. He wants more people following him in the garden. Humanity took a, a, a huge turn away from God. Sin tore them from him. And by his grace and through his love, he has sought to draw man back to himself over and over again throughout his, our history as a race. Uh, but he's, he's desirous of everyone's worship. He wants all to call him father again. And how is he going to accomplish that? He's going to do that through his church. He wants more followers. Anybody who comes to me and says, hey, Mark, how many people go to your church? I get that a lot from other pastors. Uh, but I always say this. Do you know what I say? What do I say to them? I don't give them a number. What do I say? Not enough. That's the number that everybody should report when it comes to their church. There's not enough people here. There's not enough people following Jesus. It's not enough. It's built on this idea, this understanding that we are on a mission of multiplication. Over these next 30 minutes, um, <laughs> you're going to either enjoy this message or not. A lot of that's going to depend on your view of church. Uh, some of us view church as a cruise ship. I don't know if you've been on a cruise, but everything's pretty much catering to you with that thing, right? You come in, and coffee's warm, and you can grab some food at the cafe, and then you, you, know, you can show up at the, the buffet, and someone feeds you, spiritually speaking. That's me. Hi, I'm your chef. How's it going, right? You love to listen to the music and see the, you know, the, 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 the arts uh, be poured out on a stage like it happens here. And, 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 and essentially, you come here for what you can get. It's a cruise ship. What am I going to receive? Now, that's, that's a hard uh, stance or a hard viewpoint to start with when it comes to a message on multiplication because you're not about other people. You're about you. But I want you to understand the church was never meant to be a cruise ship. Uh, you all are sitting in a battleship. Uh, we are a, a place, every church should be a place where Christ's followers kind of fly in on their planes and land for a little bit, long enough to refuel, long enough to rejuvenate, long enough to refocus so that we can fly off that deck again and go back out into a world that is at war with God, that desperately needs him and doesn't even know, that needs uh, passionate followers of Jesus to break into their darkness and show them the light of our Savior Jesus Christ. This isn't a cruise ship. Don't come here for what you can get. I mean, I pray you get, but whatever you get, I pray that you leave here intending to extend others and enlight others with and, and love others with. It's a battleship, not a cruise ship. <laughs> 
Uh, multiplication is basically this concept of us all being in this together. It's an all y'all endeavor, this mission of Jesus Christ, and it works better when all of us are working towards that mission. This did not work well last night, so let's try it one more time. Chris is gonna come up, and I wanna uh, basically, no, no, right there, bro, you're fine right here. I'm gonna give Chris some cups, and Chris is gonna start the multiplication process. Find someone to give one stack of those cups to. Congratulations. Would you stand up, ma'am? Yes, everybody, you're gonna, everybody who gets cups, you're gonna get up and move. Can you go to that side? You dropped a cup. <laughs> okay, now, right where the pink line is, that's where you, you grab the pink line and give that stack of cups to someone else. It's going so much better than last night. It was brutal. People were counting cups. It was horrible. Okay, could you stand up, bro? Could you stand up? Everybody else stand up? Okay. Now, everybody else who's gotten cups, you got to go. Is there a blue line there? Marty, you got a blue line? Everybody got a blue line on there? Okay, so, see, I'm making it easy for you. Take the blue line and go back to the back because everybody goes to the back so they don't have to be involved up in the front. Go back to the back. And find someone to give a stack of cups to from the back. This is going well so far. Don't go too far. Don't go to the foyer. Just find someone. Okay. And if you got some cups, you got to stand up too. It's a little game. It's fun. Okay, now figure out. Now you got to count. Figure out how much half is. I think it's probably, what, four more cups? You got four cups there? Okay, t- do it again. Do it again. Find someone else. Share the cups. It's a joyous occasion. There's people all around you. Don't go too far. I've got to do this in a set amount of time. All right, now everybody else who's done, stand up. Grab your cups. Guess what you're going to do? Share the cups. Take half of your cup stack and share it with someone else. And then when you get those cups, would you stand up? Is everybody looking around? Look at all the people standing out. There should be just one last share. Is there only two cups left? Give, give one of your cups to someone else and have them stand up. Thanks, everybody, for participating. If you're holding a cup, would you hold it up in the air? We have just witnessed multiplication. Have a seat. Keep your cups. It's my gift to you. You're like, wow, that was a colossal waste of time, Mark. Thanks a lot. I went to school. Could have figured that out. Sometimes churches haven't figured that out. Because here's what churches will do a lot of time. They'd see the stack of 64 cups up there, and they'd say, Pastor, you pass them out. We pay you to do that. You went to that big school that teaches theology. You're the paid Christian. You tell everybody. Tell you what, we'll show up, we'll clap and sing, and we'll, we'll encourage you, but you or others like you on staff, you go, and you be the carriers of the mission. Uh, it would have taken me long to pass to all those cups out, right? It went faster when other people were involved. You know, that's why when teachers come in and they have tests to hand out, what do they do? They throw stacks this way and that way and this way and... We gotta do this fast, everybody grab your tests. That's God's mentality. He, he understands that it's going to be a more efficient multiplication if more people involved. But, but understand this, the chief reason that God wants the church, all of the church involved in the process of multiplication is that one of the greatest blessings of our faith is the joy of watching someone else come to faith. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I've been a part of lots of amazing services and sermons, um, not the ones that I've preached, but the ones that I've heard, and uh, I've, 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 I've had the joy of discipling and, and encouraging people, and, and I've seen miracles occur, right? Those are amazing, and, and I've prayed and seen God answer prayers, and, and those are amazing things, but the most amazing thing that I've ever experienced is the joy of sitting with someone who moments before 
had no faith in Jesus Christ, and after sharing the gospel with them, they had crossed from darkness to light, from death to life, and they were not the same forevermore. It's one of the greatest things that a Christian can ever experience. There's too many of us sitting in this room who've never had the opportunity, for whatever reasons, but we've just never multiplied. Oh, you don't want to miss out on this one. All the roller coasters combined can't match the thrill. I, uh, I know that God is a God of multiplication. He never wants us to stop multiplying. In fact, Chris started with a whole stack of cups, but did you notice that Chris kept going? He kept handing out cups. He didn't just hand out here, done. He just continued with what he had, giving all those around him more and more cups until the cups were all passed out. Here's what I want you to know. I don't know where you are on the age uh, you know, line. Uh, you might be older, might be younger, somewhere in between. But if your life is given to Christ, your life is given to multiplication for the rest of your life. It doesn't stop. You never get enough. You never kind of finish when it comes to the mission. I want to listen. On my deathbed, if God will allow, I want to be sharing Jesus with those who are around me. In every situation that I go through in life, if Jesus matters to me like he's supposed to matter to me, he should be on my lips. He should be in my conversations with those who are around me. So we're like, Mark, man, you're throwing the bar way up there high. I mean, I'm just trying to do this Christian thing myself. Listen, I, I think it's, in my life, proof that when I'm sharing Jesus, I'm living for Jesus. When I'm talking about Jesus, he's at the center of my heart. It's my hope for us as a church that we would join God in this mission of multiplication. God's always been about multiplication. I just kind of looked up some of the verses that talked about multiplying. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 22, he's creating the animals, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. And he says this, he says to these animals that he's created, be fruitful and say it with me. Multiply, fill the waters and the seas and the birds. You should multiply and fill the earth. He goes on, and the humans come a few verses later, and uh, the humans are created, and it says in Genesis 1:28, be fruitful and multiply. And many of you have done that so nicely. Thank you very much for fulfilling that uh, mission. Uh, even after the flood, when, when he kind of shakes the Etch-a-Sketch and he kind of resets everything because it's gotten so wicked, uh, Noah and his family walk off the ark, and what does Jesus say to them in Genesis chapter 9? He blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful and say it, multiply. He's a God of multiplication. He wants more in creation that can bring him the glory that he is due. But like I said earlier, sin is a, is a glory diminisher. When you and I are living in sin, living in rebellion against God, uh, we're not living uh, according to his created purpose for us. And so by his grace and through his mercy, uh, he demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Someone say, yeah! That's the good news. That's, that's, the, good, that's the gospel. And Jesus came to preach the gospel and, and die and rise again for the gospel's sake. And, and as he's teaching his, the followers about the, the gospel in Mark chapter 4, this is what he says to them. And with what can we compare the kingdom of God, this, this kingdom that will rise up from people believing in my gospel? He says, or, or what parable shall we use for it? And he says in verse 31, it's like a grain of mustard seed. You may know how big a grain of mustard seed is. Tiny, tiny. Well, actually says that. Which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But 
When it is sown, it grows up and it becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. He's being very uh, metaphorical and teaching in these parables, but he's basically talking about, listen, the kingdom that I've come to establish, it's going to start small. He's talking to a small group of people. It's early on in the Gospel of Mark. There's only a few that are following. He says, yeah, we might feel like we're outnumbered, but here's the deal. As soon as we plant this faith, as soon as we help people understand this gospel, guess what's going to happen? It's going to take off. And this little seed is going to become this huge tree in the garden, some 9, 10, 12 feet tall. And it'll be so big, its, its branches will stretch out and provide shade for a world that is just baking in their sin. It'll be this place where uh, the world's inhabitants, the other humans, can come and nest and find Peace. We're going to start small, but we're going to grow. And that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. He started with just a few followers. You know, 12 were called, right? That grew to about 120. There was thousands that were kind of interested in him for his healing power and all those amazing miracles that he did. But, you know, the true followers, they all ended up in an upper room there in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit visited them, and it tells us, that they tumbled out of that room and started speaking in languages that they didn't understand. They, Peter got up and gave the first evangelistic message of the gospel grace age, and, and people responded. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, uh, those who received his word were baptized that day. They were identified with Christ, physically in the water and spiritually in their hearts. And they were added that day about how many? 3,000. That's some good multiplication. That's a good first day. You go on and you read about the church well, later in the book of Acts, chapter 2, and it says uh, they just lived in harmony. They praised God. They had favor with all the people. Uh, the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Multiplication continued to occur in those early years of the church. Acts chapter 6, verse 7 tells us the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly there in Jerusalem and a great many of even the priests of the Jewish faith became obedient to Christ and his faith. Persecution breaks out in Acts chapter 8. A guy named Stephen loses his life. He's the first martyr. Christians scatter around the Mediterranean region. But God continues to work. It's actually, the, the persecution was God's way of getting them out of Jerusalem. I, I gave this mission so that it would multiply. Quit hanging out at home. And so off they go. And it tells us, uh, as uh, Paul and uh, uh, Barnabas are about to begin their mission from the church in Antioch, Antioch uh, that the word of God increased and multiplied in the lives of those around the Mediterranean. Uh, if you read the book of Acts, and we've studied it over the last uh, four summers together, you know that uh, Paul was key in bringing the Gentiles uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, he took the gospel to a place called Ephesus in Asia Minor. And uh, what we're going to study today is a conversation that he had with some of his friends from that place. In Acts chapter 20, verse 17, it says this, Now from Miletus, which is where Paul is hanging out, he sent to Ephesus, and he called the elders of the church to come to him. He had, he had heard from God that it was time for him to move on. He had been hanging out and kind of preaching to different places around uh, the northern part of the Mediterranean Sea. But, but now he's being propelled, compelled <clears throat> by the Holy Spirit to head back to Jerusalem. Uh, to be there in time for the holy feasts that were part of his uh, heritage as a Jew. And, and, and he felt like God was saying, hey man, it's time for you to go back to the Jews and to share Christ with the Jews. A, a very dangerous proposition. 
Paul was not well liked amongst the Jews. Uh, and he knew, as we're going to see as we read, uh, this might be it for him and his friends in Ephesus. He may not see them again. And so he gets them together. And he spends some time in his early uh, discourse with them, reminding them of his days in Ephesus. You can read about those in Acts chapter 19 and the first part of Acts chapter 20, uh, a little bit of Acts chapter 18. But, but he, he's just, hey, hey, remember those three years I hung out with you? Remember how I sought to multiply amongst you? Now we're going to find out from Paul uh, what he could teach us about multiplication. What, what does Paul in his discussion, his farewell with the Ephesian elders teach us about multiplication? Four things, and uh, uh, then we'll take some communion together as we close. Now, the first thing that Paul teaches us is that multiplication can take time. So we need to be persistent and patient. Paul starts his conversation with him in verse 18. He says this, and when they came to him, he said to them, you guys, you yourselves know how I lived among you how long? The whole time. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, I was, I was constantly present, persistent with my presence. He, he stayed with them for as long as it took for them to follow Jesus. He wasn't on and off here and there. Uh, he was committed. Uh, there was a time in our church where we were more uh, active in putting names in the wall. If you ever kind of walk along the front here, you can see these little slots have been cut out of the wall. And when I first got here, I asked everybody uh, to just think of someone that God might use you to multiply into. Someone who doesn't, uh, you know, uh, follow Jesus yet, or someone who has followed Jesus at one time in their lives, but needs, you know, to be reminded. And, and, and just write their names down and, and put those names like a prayer in the wailing wall of, of Jerusalem at the foot of the Temple Mount, like, like a prayer in the wall. Just put their names on the wall and just commit and just ask God to give you those opportunities. And I pray that many of us, as we have done that over the years, have had the opportunities that we prayed for, that we got to talk to people about Jesus as God gave us those chances. But what if we put those names on the wall and kind of threw them in there? I hope no one ever did this, but we just said, yeah, Lord, help them, but not me. I don't have time. Uh, they, they are, you know, extra grace required people. I just, you know, I don't know if I, you know, have, have the energy for them. Well, that is not the formula that accomplishes the multiplication of our mission. Uh, when it comes to the mission, it's going to take time. It's going to cost us. It's going to require of us persistence and patience. And I pray that God allows for us to experience that as we go on. I started eating breakfast at a diner just down the road here, uh, I don't know, eight years ago. And uh, I persistently eat there because I like their food. Uh, but here's what's happened. I, I got outed early in the process. They found out I was the pastor at Bay Life, and so now everybody either calls me pastor or preacher there. Uh, on the staff, that's what I'm known as. Pastor Mark, here's your table. Here's your anytime breakfast. Uh, over time, here's what's occurred. Uh, I wish I could say it was my, you know, purposed, um, prayerful um, you know, hey, I, I got to be there for this. But just by the sheer fact that I was there, people started talking to me about God and what they believed about him. They would sit down. Some of the waitresses would sit down after uh, I was finished my meals and things were kind of slowed down, and they'd start talking to me about their lives. I know you're a pastor. What do you think about this? I, I know, uh, you know, you've probably, you know, talked to too many people about this, but can you help me with mine? 
A couple years ago, I got to share Christ with the owner of the place, and she trusted Jesus. I was walking out of there this morning, and there's this really sassy waitress. She's really cool, but she's always making fun of me. And so she's sitting down with some of the regulars uh, there. As I eat there almost every Sunday morning, and she says, Hey, preacher! <laughs> yeah? You need to pray for these guys. <laughs> and I was like, ma'am, I pray for all you all the time. But I'll remember to pray for these guys today. Uh, amazing things come if you're just there, if you're just around. It's how God works. Now, if you're not around, it's hard for you to be used. But if you're around and you're willing, God will find a way to help you multiply. Later in the same text, uh, Paul's talking to him. He says this in verse 31. He says, therefore, be alert Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. He says, uh, uh, for three years, Paul was there. Night and day, he was encouraging those who did not know Christ to follow Christ. He did it so much that his heart just broke for them. He, he cried. <laughs> I know, guys, everybody's like, hey, settle down, Mark. We're not crying. But this meant so much to him that it connected with him on a level emotionally, that he was just not going to give up. You know, he left Ephesus, and some people never believed. I mean, people that he hung out with for years in the Hall of Tyrannus for those two years that he rented the place, and for years, you know, as they kind of met in homes and stuff like that, there's certain people that just never believed. I pray that's not you. If you've been hanging out with us for a long time and you still don't believe, I pray that you believe. But lots of people, it just takes time, right? It just takes time. I met my brother-in-law uh, when I was 19 years old and started dating my wife, Eleanor. And he had just recently walked away from his faith and just disavowed everything, becoming a, he was kind of an, an angry atheist. He wasn't very cool about it. Uh, but we just started praying for him. I became Eleanor's husband. And he became my brother-in-law. We continued to pray for him. That was almost 30 years ago. And uh, uh, my brother-in-law just started going back to church last year. Yeah, right? Uh, now, listen, I haven't had a chance to talk to him. I don't know where he's at with God. But he's in the building. And he's at least kicking the tires. And that was 30 years ago. I got a son who's currently off the ranch. He's, uh, he's making decisions that don't honor God. And they're devastating for his mom and his dad. And he's not doing anything illegal. Everybody settle down. Somebody's like, oh. But he's far from God. And maybe you got that kid. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, sometimes there's a temptation to just be like, done. I gave my whole life for this. I, I poured everything in for this. I'm just being honest. But those are short moments. When Eleanor's having hers, God gives me the grace to say, no! When I'm having mine, she pops me in the head and says, no. Why? Because we're in this for the long haul. We love our boy, and, and we are fully believing that God's going to bring him home. And that's what it takes to multiply. That's what it takes to see someone come to Christ for the first time, come back to Christ. Some of our greatest church fathers, a guy named St. Augustine, he was just one of the worst dudes ever. Read his biography. And his mom prayed for him, and for 11 years, that guy just completely gave her the finger and God the finger. Sorry if that offends, but... Uh, but he just said no. 
But then he went on to be one of the greatest minds of the Christian faith. (laughs) We need to view every interaction, every relationship as a potential multiplication exercise and just be available and take the time and do what everybody else would never do because, you know, they'd just, you know, be done with him. Dust to feet, blah, blah, right? You know, my favorite, one of my favorite stories in the, in the story of Acts is uh, Paul and Silas get thrown in jail in Philippi. You might remember this story. They're hanging out, they're singing songs in Philippi, an earthquake happens, the jail rocks, the doors open, and uh, the Philippian jailer comes running down the stairs to see if, his, if the prisoners are still there, and he's about to kill himself because he knows if the prisoners are gone, the Romans are going to kill him anyway. And does anybody remember how this tragedy is averted? Paul's in the cell, and he says, Hey, bro, not tonight, we're still here. And does anybody remember what happens after that? The Philippian jailer and his entire family is converted and gives their heart over to Jesus Christ. Now, have you ever wondered, what made Paul stay in the cell? Because there wasn't an angel. You can read it. No angel said, hey, stay here. It's going to be really cool. No, he and Silas just hung out. They'd walked out of other jail cells but they stayed in this one. I, I like to believe this. I can't tell you this is what the Bible says, but I like to believe that Paul says, oh, this is going to be good. Obviously, Jesus rocked the cells. God, you know, made the cell door open so that something could happen. I'm going to wait and find out. And harvest, man. Harvest came with patience. Second thing we learn from Paul as he's talking to the elders is that multiplication could take a toll Uh, Be aware and go anyway. Be aware and go anyway. It says in verse 18, when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived with you the whole time from the first day uh, that I set foot in Asia, uh, uh, saying, uh, or serving the Lord, pardon me, with all humility, with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. He says, you know how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public, and from house to house. Paul says, you know how I was there. Stayed there the whole time. I served the Lord, verse 19, if you can go back one slide for me. I served the Lord with all humility. You know what else that phrase in Greek could be translated as? It could be, in my humiliation. Even though it cost me everything, and I was constantly derided, and had insults hurled at me, excluded from the temple, got thrown out. <laughs> uh, I, I was a, the subject of plots from the Jews. Uh, I was the survivor of a, of a riot uh, by the idol makers of Ephesus. Read that. It's all in the book. He says, I went through a ton to bring you guys the gospel, but I did it all. Verse 20, without shrinking back. I did not shrink back. What a great picture of fear. That Greek word actually means to kind of crouch down, to duck. I didn't shrink back. I just let the full force of all the trial and all the problem hit me, and I faced it with the power and strength and grace of my God. Because I knew that the the mission mattered. And sure, it was going to be tough. I knew that. But I sought to teach you anything that was profitable. I went from where we were hanging out at Starbucks, talking about it in public, to your houses. I did whatever I could so that you could know the gospel. Paul understood uh, that uh, multiplication had to occur. Uh, he was like a pregnant mom. 
follow me. Pregnant moms uh, have the baby inside of them for those nine months. But there comes a time, I've been told, I've never been a pregnant mom, but there comes a time when they're like, get this child out. It's time for us to give birth. When I, uh, we were having our first son, Ben, uh, uh, Eleanor actually, uh, water broke on stage while she was singing a song in church. Pretty cool, <laughs> right? And so uh, we headed to the hospital right after that, and over time, uh, it became very evident we were going to have that, our, our first baby that night. Ben was going to be born. Eleanor was uh, adamant that she didn't want to have any uh, additional drugs and stuff like that. She was going to do it au natural, right? And so uh, she thought she knew how much pain this was going to be. Uh, she soon found out it was way worse than she thought. Uh, there were times where she was like, make it stop! But she persisted. She kept going. Why? Because that baby had to come out. We had to have our kid. And the joy that both of us felt when Ben finally hit the atmosphere and he made that first of many cries and he just kind of laid there looking like a lizard in the pan, right? <laughs> I still, <laughs> that's probably shouldn't have said that, but I still feel the joy. I didn't go through the pain, but I still feel the joy. And I remember wrapping Ben in his first blanket and putting that, you know, little thimble hat on him and walking him over to his mom. And I, I remember Eleanor holding Ben for the first time. She had been through the most excruciating experience of her life. Sorry, ladies, that you have to go through that. But as she held her boy, it was all worth it. And as Paul looked at the Ephesians, he says, I'll go through the pains of your, of your birth, spiritually speaking. I'll go through all those pains of bringing a, a new life into this world in Christ because it's worth it. You know, we've got to start looking at ourselves as pregnant moms. Every Christian in here, spiritually speaking, should be a pregnant mom. And there should be someone in our lives who is meant to be the next of God's children. And we'll go through the pains of seeing them follow Jesus because it's worth it. Paul also teaches us in his conversation with the Ephesians that multiplication can seem difficult, but we just need to keep it simple. Look what he says in verse 21. He says, listen, I testified uh, there in Ephesus both to the Jews and the Greeks of, of the repentance toward God that they needed and of the faith in our Lord of Jesus Christ that was going to make that repentance complete. People are going to have greater questions and objections. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. We have things like Alpha and Share Jesus for those kinds of things. But ultimately, here's our, our, our mission as multipliers. Just get the truth out there. And here's the simple truth. People were created by God for God. Sin has separated them from God. They need to repent of that sin, but there's nothing that they can do in their repentance that will repair the relationship that they have with God, and so they need someone to be their bridge, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came so that as we repent of our sins, through him we can be forgiven of our sins and cleansed from all unrighteousness, and that in him we can have new life. Like he resurrected, we can resurrect to a new life with Christ. It's pretty simple. In fact, if you're sitting here this morning and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have all that you need to tell someone about putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Just tell them what you did. I understood I was a sinner. 
I understood that there was a God who loved me, who didn't want me to stay separated from him in my sin. He sent Jesus to be the bridge, to be my sacrifice, to pay my price. And it's through my faith in Jesus, not in anything that I do or anything that I've done, but by faith in Jesus that I am brought back into life with God. That's all Paul says. He didn't go through all of his apologetics lessons. He just said, listen, I just told people about repentance in Jesus. He kept it simple. You gotta know that on a weekend that I'm gonna be preaching on multiplication, God's gonna give me an opportunity to share Christ with someone that I didn't know was coming. And that was yesterday at lunch. I was at Chipotle with uh, one of the young guys, a uh, great young guy in our college and career ministry. And he and I were talking about doing a life group together. And so I was meeting with him to talk about this life group. And I come into Chipotle and I sneak past everybody who's kind of, mm, because he's up in the front line. And, I, and I'm standing with him and I'm like, hey, bro, how you doing? Uh, I'm here. Um, I'm sorry I'm late. If, because I'm late, I'm going to buy you lunch. In fact, I buy this guy lunch every time we have lunch. But uh, I'll, I'll buy you lunch. And he says, well, uh, that's okay, but I'm going to buy him lunch. And he points to this guy that I've never seen before in my life behind him. And it comes out that he met him on the way in as he was waiting for me because I was late. And this guy, you know, had struck up a conversation with him, and he had mentioned that he was hungry. And because, uh, you know, my friend is such an amazing Christian guy, he's like, well, yeah, well, you want to you eat? I'll, I'll buy you lunch. And so this guy's like, yeah, free tacos. And, and so he's behind and so like now I'm like, well, I guess I'm buying you both lunch, which I did. And, uh, and, and we sat down. Now, I didn't know if this guy was just going to take his tacos and go. We got it to, st- to eat in. And, and he went to the bathroom, and we were kind of setting his food next to us. And he got it, and he, and he was fixing to go. But, but uh, my buddy said, hey, man, if, if you want to sit with us, you can totally sit with us. And I'll confess. Here we go. Just so you know, I'm just like you. My, my first reaction was like, Really? I mean, we bought them tacos. I mean, I, I got to talk to you about this life group. I got to get to church. I got to preach tonight. I was going through all of my schedule stuff, and I'm like, really? And then the Holy Spirit says, Mark, really? You're going to preach on multiplication? You don't get this yet? Oh, thank you, Lord. Longer story shorter. Uh, my, my, my buddy and I just proceeded to talk to this guy about his life, where he's from, where, where, how he had gotten to the front of a Chipotle hungry, right, without any money. And he just shared openly all these things. And so he, he, my buddy had outed me as his pastor. And so he says, you're a pastor. And I says, yeah. He says, have you ever gone to church? And he says, yeah, a couple times. And I just don't get all that stuff. And they seem like a bunch of hypocrites. Never heard that before about Christians. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, and he just basically, and I, you know, I, and I've, I've heard some different things about other religions. He started going through all of his objections. Here's the deal. I didn't know how long I had with this guy. So my buddy and I just said, hey, look, bro, I can't answer every question you got. I'll, I'll try with some of them. But can I just tell you the truth? Here's what Jesus says. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to God apart from him. How about that? And I want you to know that this guy and myself have given our lives to this, and, and we're pretty normal, you know, sane people, and you might think we're crazy, but we're not, and, and we believe this. And, and through a, just a really beautiful ping-pong, back-and-forth conversation, um, we got to share clearly the gospel with this, with this kid, Richard. And you ever listen, you know, ever heard someone listen to you, and they're kind of like, yeah, okay, come on, tacos. You know, that's all I wanted was tacos. I don't know what these guys are doing. He was listening. And you could tell spiritually that some stuff was happening. And so then I said, I don't know how much more time we got, but you got to know, I believe, in, uh, I believe in appointments. I don't know why you were standing outside Chipotle on the day that I was supposed to have lunch with this guy, but you were. And I don't know why he said that he'd feed you, but he did. And, and we're sitting here right now, and I believe that God is saying to you, it's, it's time to come back to, Jesus, or back to him through faith in Jesus. 
And I said, man, you can pray to receive Christ. And wouldn't it be great if I could finish this story by saying he prayed to receive Christ? It'd be awesome. He didn't. And some of you are like, oh, no, not oh, yeah. Because what's the mission? Let them know. Who's the closer? God. I trust that he has all the information that he needs, and maybe even on the bus ride back home, he trusted Jesus. Or maybe he meets someone else, and, and they start talking about Jesus, and he'll say, you know what, I met these two weird guys at Chipotle that bought me tacos, and they were saying the same things. Well, we can walk away from that experience, my pal and I, knowing that we're a part of the mission. Tacos. Mission. Multiplication is the mission. So we need to stay in sync with the Spirit. It says in verse 22, <clears throat> yeah, multiplication is the mission. We need to stay in sync with the Spirit. That was on there quick. Now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, Paul says to the elders. And I'm, what does it say? Constrained, controlled, compelled by the Spirit. I don't know what's going to happen to me, except that I know what's going to happen to me. Verse 23, uh, the Holy Spirit has testified to me that in every city uh, that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Yay. But I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Can I just point out that our mission statement is in this verse? Here's what Paul says. I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself. I live to glorify God, Paul says, right? If only that I may finish my course. I want to be the best disciple that I can be. And that the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus, uh, which is to testify to the gospel of of the grace of God, I I pray that I can do that. I want to be a disciple who makes disciples. It doesn't matter to me what happens in my life. I live to glorify God by being a disciple who makes disciples. Is that our life mission? I don't know what you're living for. I know sometimes it's not my life mission. I'm living for myself or whatever I can get from this life that will make me feel comfortable But as Christians, you gotta know that our mission is to be ready to multiply when God gives us the chance. To share the good news of Jesus with whoever he allows us to share him with. So who are you living for? For yourself or for the mission? Where is the spirit pointing to you so that you can be encouraged in your own discipleship? Is it life groups or discipleship one-on-one, maybe going to foundations, classes? And then who is the spirit pointing you to so that you can multiply yourself into him or her? Whether it's through Alpha or going to the Share Jesus class to get prepared. It's fitting that we're going to close our time with communion. As Corey comes forward, we're just going to take some time to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Because the mission stems from what Jesus has done from us or for us. If he doesn't come and die and rise again, if he doesn't come to give himself as our sacrifice, there's no mission. There's no gospel to talk about. So we take communion here every week. If you come down to the front and take it, we take communion here occasionally as a church like we're about to. But here's what I want you to leave as you uh, leave today uh, thinking about from this communion. Uh, Jesus did this for me, and I'm grateful. But he did this for me so that I could share this, his gospel, with his world. So I could be a disciple of my kids in my home, so I could be a, an encourager of the body of Christ here at the church and, and multiply myself and other disciples, but not just to stop there, uh, to go out into a world that's lost without him, that's at war with God. 
and to bring the good news to them as well. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on my behalf, but use me, Jesus, to bring your good news to the world. Will you pray with me? Father, we uh, come before you now uh, mindful of the mission. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, He died and rose again so that we can die to ourselves and to our sin and rise again to a new life in our faith in him. And many of us sit here this morning having done that, and we're grateful uh, that you did that for us. But we know that you did that for so many who don't know it yet. And we know that uh, there's even many here within us that haven't grown in our relationships with you. We, we want to be the best disciples that we can, can be, God, so that uh, we can go and make disciples uh, with your strength and with your uh, power and grace flowing through us to them. So take us to this world. Thanks for this uh, little break on the battleship. Send us out to a world that's at war with you, God. And use us in the lives of people that you love to draw them to the truth. Make us mighty in your mission. Help us to multiply, I pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Love you guys. Praying for you guys. Go and be disciples that make disciples. Have a great day.